Hello, Hawks fans, and welcome to another episode of the KettleCast with your host, Forrest Willoughby. On this episode of the cast, we talk about the Hawks' 116-122 loss to the Dallas Mavericks. After getting surprised in the first half by a denial defense on Trey Young, the Hawks are unable to complete a comeback in the fourth quarter. We'll get into what the Hawks did well and who played well for both the Hawks and the Mavericks. Let's get into it. What a disappointing and frustrating loss. The Mavericks came into Atlanta having lost six in a row, including two to the Phoenix Suns, and the Hawks were coming off a loss to the LA Lakers themselves. But the Hawks just really never gave themselves a chance to build a substantial lead and send the Mavericks packing. In fact, the Mavericks really took it to the Hawks for the majority of this game. Um, the Mavericks came out and they threw a defense where they were denying Trey the ball all the way up the court. They weren't. They were double teaming him almost immediately after any made basics by the Mavericks, and it really messed up the Hawks at the beginning of the game. The Hawks did a good job of going through some other players, and in fact, John Collins had a really nice game, and being a shot creator um, and distributor, Kevin Herter had a nice game, ending the game with 10 assists, but the Hawks weren't prepared for that um, denial defense, especially being a full-court denial of Trey Young and it really just disrupted the offense and made this game a really just, again, another slog fest back, back and forth. There were a lot of fouls in this game, and it wasn't the most enjoyable game to watch. There were a ton of fouls, and a lot of those fouls got the Mavericks to the free throw line for easy buckets. But um, despite having a really tough first quarter, the Hawks were able to have a three-point lead going in at halftime. It should have been a six-point lead, but... The Mavericks got a play for Luka Doncic to take a step back three right at the end of the half that he nailed and took a six-point lead and made it a three-point lead. And then the Mavericks really had the momentum going into the second half where they went on a 13-2 run and uh, got, got a lead in that third quarter. The Hawks were able to fight their way back. A lot of the second unit did a good job um, of keeping the Hawks in it, especially Danilo Gallinari. But in a spurt of play that was very reminiscent of the L.A. Lakers game. The Hawks kind of gave up, took their foot off the gas at the end of the third quarter, and then the Mavs really pushed the lead at the beginning of the fourth quarter uh, when Trey Young was sitting, and it was really tough for the Hawks to get back. The Hawks did fight their way back, eventually putting their own little bit of denial on Luka at the end of the fourth quarter and were able to go on a 16-4 to run to cut the lead to three points after a just bomb of a three from Trey Young. But uh, that, despite being within three points with 42 seconds left, um, Chris Stapps Porzingis hit a putback to push the lead to five, and the Hawks never really got bit into it after that putback. But um, it really never should have come to that. Like, it shouldn't take a Herculean effort from the Hawks to get back into a game against a team, especially like the Dallas Mavericks. And I think the most frustrating part for me watching it was just the Hawks didn't dominate the boards with Clint Capella and John Collins, who both ended up with double doubles. Um, this Hawks team should have really been able to take advantage of the boards against a Mavericks team that is not very good rebounding the ball, especially um, offensively rebounding the ball. Where And the Hawks did out-rebound the Mavs, but they only out-rebounded them by one. And both teams had 13 offensive rebounds. Uh, points in the paint wasn't the Hawks favor 52 to 42 but that's an area that the Hawks should really dominate and something that I thought 
the Mavericks did a really good job of just not letting the Hawks use their advantage in that way. Um, of course, coming out and denying the ball from Trey Young just from the start was a really good move from the Mavericks. Obviously, on a six-game losing streak, the, Haw- the Mavericks were trying to do anything to get out of that streak and try to get a win, and they came out and they just played, I thought, a little bit harder than the Hawks. Um, you know, Luka was able to kind of get wherever he wanted, and despite not having a very strong shooting night, Luka was just 8 of 20 from the field. He was able to have 14 assists and really help get his teammates looks that were high quality and um, help his team even when he was not able to shoot the ball particularly well. Um, kind of the key area, I thought, or if you look at the stats, the really bit huge difference was at the free throw line where the Hawks got 17 attempts and hit 12, whereas Dallas got 25 attempts and hit 23 of 25 free throws. The Hawks are usually a very good free throw shooting team and a team that gets to the free throw line a lot. But much like, again, the Lakers game, only a few Hawks got to the free throw line and when they got there, they didn't take advantage. Solomon Hill missed two free throws. Clint Capella missed two free throws. Um, Trey Young only got to the free throw line two, uh, three times and missed one of his three his free throws. So it was just not a usual Hawks game in that regard. And you have to give a lot of credit to the Mavs defense and um, keeping the Hawks from those easy points. The Hawks did get a just great game from John Collins and if you've been listening to the Kettlecast, you know how high I am on John's shooting ability. Uh, that shown through in this game. He was 3 of 4 from three-point land. He ended the game 16 of 21 from the field for 35 points that tied a career high for John. He had 12 rebounds, three of them offensive, and one assist. And John was really what got the Hawks going and, and was a lot of what was positive for the Hawks in this game. Um, that three-point shooting, he did get his four three-point shot attempts up if he's shooting you know over 40 percent from three he's got to even up that even more now um he just is such an advantage to have a power forward who can do all the rebound and everything and then step out and stretch a defense and hit three pointers he had a big three down the stretch that was part of that run that helped get the hawks within three points and john collins can just kind of get his offense Really, whenever he gets the ball, he is able a threat to score either at the basket or from that three-point line. You know, the amazing thing is with as physical and as athletic as John Collins is, he got no free throws tonight against the Mavericks. It's frustrating for as active as a player as John Collins is that he's unable to um, really get the contact and get free throws, but um, a wonderful game from the Duncan Dink, the dunking Deacon, and um, he was really a highlight for this Hawks team in a tough game. Clint Capella is part of those that two that I thought should be able to hold down the paint, and he certainly did on the blocks. He had three blocks tonight. Uh, five of eight shooting. Again, missed his two free throws, had 10 points. He had 13 rebounds with three of them being offensive. And Clint Capella had a nice knockaway when the Hawks were turning up the pressure a little bit to help get the Hawks again within three points at the end of the game. Capello only played 30 minutes, and for an area that I think is a advantage for the Hawks, I think he should be playing a little bit more than 30 minutes. He did get in a little bit of foul trouble early in the game, but he hasn't fouled out of any games, and I think that Coach Lloyd Pierce is going to have to trust Capella a little bit more. 
Herter had a strong game, I thought. He had 8 of 15, 4 of 8 from three-point land. He had 21 points. It was a quiet 21 for Kevin Herter. Um, he came out, he hit two threes early, and you were like, okay, maybe Kevin's going to be aggressive. And he just doesn't, he won't take that first shot. He, he either pumps fakes or moves the ball along. He's too good of a three-point shooter to pass that shot along or try to do the pump fake and let his defender get back into it. He needs to take the first three when he gets it. And he did a couple times this game, which was so encouraging. But he had 21 points and 10 assists, a big double-double from Kevin Herter. Um, those 10 assists really show you what Kevin can do when the ball's in his hands. And it showed how the Hawks did take advantage of the aggressive Mavericks defense when they got when Trey was able to get the ball out of his hands. The Hawks had seven turnovers in that first quarter. They ended the game with 16, and so they only had nine the rest of the way. But that defense really threw the Hawks off at the beginning. And to see the Hawks, who are such a good offensive team, really kind of lose their minds when it was four on three after the ball got out of Trey's hands and not and turn it over and kind of give some easy looks to the Mavericks was just hair, you know, so frustrating. I, I wanted to pull my hair out. It's just like the Hawks should be able to take advantage of that, with, especially with how good at passing they have with Kevin Herter and John Collins and Clint Capella. But Herter played strong. He played 39 minutes, and it was really good to see. Again, looking at the box score and seeing his 21 points, it was a super quiet um, 21 points, and I would just want him to be even a little bit more aggressive um, at the three-point line. He did get to the free throw line, which was encouraging. He had an and one, and he made that free throw. But just a strong performance from Herter. Cam Reddish had a rough game. He was the primary defender on Luka. Um, and then Luka was guarding uh, Cam on the other side of the ball and got two steals from Cam, who I think was just a little lazy with um, his ball security when he's bringing the ball up. But Cam was 1 of 8 from the field, 0 of 4 from three-point land, three rebounds, one assist. Again, those two turnovers. And Cam just... He's in a little bit of a funk shooting-wise, and his one shot was another great slash to the basket, actually a really tough shot. And uh, it would be really, I think, for him, if he just gets that slashing, if he starts with that and then works into his um, jump shot, I think that would help him get his rhythm going a little bit more. Off the bench, the Hawks didn't have a ton of help. Um, in fact, they were outscored on the bench. The Dallas had 36 points off their bench. A lot of that, former Hawk Tim Hardaway Jr., um, to Atlanta's 27, and in fact, only two players off the Hawks bench scored. Um, Solomon Hill and Rajan Rondo played and didn't score any points. Rondo had three assists and a rebound. Solomon Hill had three rebounds and assists and a steal. Solomon Hill was a team high plus 11. The Hawks were plus 11 when he was on the court, and he did a better job of defending Luka than I thought Cam did, and I think Coach Pierce did a nice job of seeing that it wasn't Cam's night and trying to get Solomon Hill in. Tony Snell had a nice performance off the bench. He was 3 of 3, hit two three-pointers for eight points, had two rebounds, three assists. And then Gallinari, if it wasn't for Gallinari, the Hawks might have been out of this game way earlier than they uh, were. And he actually gave them a chance even to be in the game in the fourth quarter. But Gallo came off the bench. He was only 4 of 11 from the field, but he got to the free throw line nine times and hit all his free throws. He had 19 points, two rebounds, two assists. And he is on a minutes limit after the game. Coach Pierce talked about how he's on a 20-minute limit of playing time, and it's tough to kind of be moving Gallo in and out of the lineup or in and out of the game with that minute limit to try to get maximize his time. But Gallo came in, and he just won't be denied on the offensive end of the board 
offensive end of the court, um, which was huge for the Hawks. On the Mavs side of the ball, you start with Luka Doncic. Again, 8 of 10 from the field, only that one three-pointer right before half. Uh, He had 27 points. He was 10 of 10 from the free-throw line. Eight rebounds, 14 assists, two steals, both steals on Cam Reddish. Porzingis had a monster game, 10 of 20 from the field, 24 points, 11 rebounds. When he got matched up with a smaller player, especially when he was kind of in the mid-range, he would just turn around and uh, seem to hit every shot he took over whoever was defending of him, him, whether it was Solomon Hill or any other smaller defender from the Hawks. Josh Richardson had a nice game. He was a primary defender on Trey. He had 14 points um, and really did a good job of frustrating Trey and, and not you know not allowing Trey to get to the free throw line either. Unlike Alex Caruso and Dennis Schroeder, the Mavericks didn't send Trey to the line at all very much. Tim Hardaway Jr. came off the bench and just torched the Hawks. He had 22 points, hit five three-pointers, five of ten three-pointers, um, had four rebounds, and he, the Hawks just lost Timmy a couple times, and that was a big, uh, big thing for the Mavericks. The Mavericks did not shoot the three-pointer particularly well. There were 13 of 40 in the game compared to the Hawks, who were 14 of 38. Um, but every three that the Haw- that the Mavericks hit was very timely, um, especially down the stretch. Dorian Finney-Smith hit a couple threes, and the the Mavs did just enough to hold on in the fourth quarter when the Hawks finally put a little pressure on and got running. Um, finally, Jalen Brunson was the backup point guard for the Mavs. He had a nice game, 12 points. He was 5 of 8 from the field, hit two free throws for 12 points, had four rebounds and four assists, and I thought there were a couple times where he kind of just went at Trey and was able to get to the basket and really hold it down when Luka wasn't on the court. Um, the Mavs had pretty balanced scoring-wise. They had five players in double digits, and it was just um, – you know, really timely shots as well. The Hawks let the Mavs build a lead in the fourth quarter that I thought made some of their jump shooters comfortable. Guys like uh, Finney Smith, who I talked about earlier, and Tim Hardaway Jr. Just it's a lot easier for them to hit shots once the lead is up there already and they're extending a lead rather than fighting to get back into the game. Um, part of the stretch for the Hawks getting back into it was this run where they turned up the pressure a little bit and were able to generate this 16-4 to run. And I, it's something I would hope that the Hawks do a little bit more going forward. Um, getting the Hawks out in transition, and Lois Pierce talked about it after the game, for Cam especially, that getting rebounds and going and running in transition is something that can help get Cam going in this little funk that he's in right now. But I think the Hawks in general can do a better job in fast break. They have dynamic passers. They have bigs who like to run. They don't need to be waiting for the other team to get into their set defense and waiting till the end of clock to get shots up. They can get good looks, high-quality looks in transition and early in the shot clock. I think with both Kevin Herter and John Collins, I've talked about, these are really good three-point shooters who need to be taking open three-pointers no matter when it comes in the shot clock. Um, I thought that you know, the Hawks did an excellent job. I mean, Trey Young had a couple of full court layups that took fewer than 10 seconds to get done just because of how aggressive they were even after Maverick makes. And um, getting the Hawks getting out and running and not just being such a plotting team is something that I would like to see going forward. I mean, Trey Young plays a lot of minutes and the bench hasn't been a, as deep as it normally is, especially without uh, DeAndre Hunter, who they really missed in this game. There's no doubt that with DeAndre Hunter, um, who would probably be guarding Luka Doncic, 
and also who provides a release valve for the offense if Trey's getting doubled, he would have been a huge help. But the bench is not as deep as it normally is. No Bogdan Bogdanovich, no Chris Dunn yet, um, no DeAndre Hunter, like I said. Uh, Agkongwu wasn't available in this game. It's just... And so I know how exhausting it can be to go up and down and, and play that really fast style, but this team seems like it's built to play in transition, and they just don't get in transition as much as they should, in my opinion. So that is something I would like to see going forward. Um, of course, the Hawks don't have any time really to get down on themselves. They have a back-to-back where they're playing after playing a team that was kind of in a tailspin in the Mavericks. They're now playing one of the hottest teams in the NBA in the Utah Jazz, and it'll be a really interesting to see how the Hawks respond to this loss and if you know if other teams kind of take what the Mavericks did in in doubling Trey and try to replicate that same thing but um, just a frustrating loss I thought it was clear throughout the play of the game that the Hawks were actually the more talented team and anytime you see a loss to a team that is not at the same skill level is, is super frustrating and I thought that the Mavericks did a great job of mucking this game up and slowing it down and, and really building a lead and and kind of using all the advantages that the Mavericks had and getting a win in Atlanta. But um, the Hawks are now 10-11, and 11, again, playing the Utah Jazz tonight and then Toronto Raptors later this week. But um, just a frustrating loss and one that I think that the Hawks will be able to bounce back from. Go Hawks! Thank you for catching this episode of the KettleCast. If you can share the KettleCast with any of your friends, that's a huge help. And go Hawks!